Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling along, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance guests, the great Marv Albert on the Goodyear Hotline, live in a half hour, finishing up what is has got to be one of the greatest broadcasting runs in the history of sports uh, as he's doing the Eastern Conference for TNT. We've, of course, got the West. It continues tonight. Good basketball, plenty of that. Lots to get to here uh, as we continue in this hour. But I, I find myself, if I may just take one more moment on this, I'm kind of fascinated by Bubba's little action here. So Bubba's calling it the TWT. He took three days off this week. He took Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My initial reaction was, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Why in the world would you not maximize your vacation? But Jeff Passan and Bubba have explained this in such a way that it kind of makes sense. You get the two days off. Then you have a Monday that feels like a Friday. So that feels like a good day of work. Then you get three days off. Then you have a Friday that is a Friday and you get a weekend. It's kind of like having nine consecutive delightful days. So maybe, Bubba, there's a genius to your TWT. But let me ask the question, because most people don't get three days off at a time. They get one. You right. earn just one day off. We had a caller, Rod, a few minutes ago. If you're getting one day off in a week, is Wednesday the best day to take off? That is interesting. I will say I generally, on days I have to go to the doctor for something, if I have to take a full day, I do make those on Wednesday. Uh, and I think probably for that reason, to spread out the week. Um, but that's not an enjoyable way to spend a day off. I, I know what you mean. I know why you're saying that. And the, But that's when you... I would agree. When, but when you're having still... a delightful day, like, do you want to put it on a... Most people, I think, would put it on a Friday, right? Every time I take a day off, I always give myself Friday off because right. you give yourself a nice three-day weekend. And I've always thought that made the most sense. But you're making me think maybe Wednesday is the ticket here. Yeah, you know, I'm still not fully sold on just the individual one Wednesday. I think, you know, I think I still, because I have other just one days coming up in the future in the summer. And they're, they're and what, still, what are you taking? They're still more of the traditional Fridays or Mondays mm. and more of that are, type of I feel like I'm an expert here because in my past life, I used to have Wednesdays off. When I I sold when I worked and sold cars, I had Wednesday off during the week and it was great. How was that? It was good because, you know, you worked those two days, you needed a, you know, it just refreshed, just you didn't do anything. uh, And then you worked three days and then you were done. Like I enjoyed it. It, That break in the middle of the week. Oh, so those are the, what you had was the non-consecutive off days. Correct. That's a whole other conversation. That's anyway, a tough one. I don't want to get totally into that right now. We got ourselves a little sidetracked, but I do find it interesting. If I do seem a little bit hopped up, there's something I want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. I'm not an iced coffee guy. I've only had iced coffee in my whole life once before today, and it was a year ago. I tweeted about it. I've always mocked iced coffee. But last year, one day, I'm walking in the streets of Manhattan. I had to go pick up something at a CVS. And it was about a 10-block walk. And I was going to get my coffee on the way. You know, it's morning time. You're going to get your coffee. And it was hot. Just it was a hot day like today is. Super hot. I, I hope that wherever you are, you're keeping cool. Because I know we have really frightening temperatures in a lot of places in the country. Here in New York, it is brutally hot. So this morning, when I made my stop, as I always do on my way into the office, I said, 
Does anyone ever do this? I get an oat milk latte. I like the oat milk. Big fan of the oat milk. I said to the woman at the Starbucks, does anyone ever get this iced? She said, yeah, people get it iced all the time. So I got it iced. And I have to tell you, it was delightful. Delightful. Delicious. I loved it. So I'm that guy now. I'm an iced coffee guy. But here's where it gets dangerous, bubs. I drink it. And I, I'm in this and, and the, the, the get-up meeting. And Rob Ninkovich says, be careful. The problem with iced coffee is you drink it too fast and it hits you like a ton of bricks. And I looked down and I realized my cup is empty. Uh-oh. <laughs> I drank this iced, coffee, this iced coffee in like two sips. And he's right. And it hasn't gone away. I am fired up. I mean, I am wired. Greeny is wired. I, I, I think it's the same amount of caffeine that I usually have hot. But maybe there's just something different if you consume it. Because coffee, you're going to sip. Right, That coffee, that grande latte that I drink every morning usually takes me a good half hour start to finish. I drink this thing in like a minute, not, not even, like okay. 30 seconds. Jesus. What do you think? <laughs> well, I didn't even think of it. That's wow. how dumb I am. I didn't even think of that. I was like, oh, it just tastes good, and it's uh, it, whatever. I just drank it. I drank it the, the way you might drink like a soda or, or a water because it was very tasty, by the way. So does that explain why I'm still churning? Like, I can feel it in my stomach. I am still churning a little bit here. Is this a good thing yeah, or no, a bad thing? I think thing? that explains why. I think we very clearly know why. Yes, and I think that, Rob, that is the, Rob uh, was uh, prescient in his, uh, in his advice there. But I think... Uh, but I'm trying to decide if it's a bad thing. Like, I feel good. I, I, I don't think, think it's, it's a bad thing. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I, yeah, yeah, you probably crash at some point, but... I drink the coffee for a reason. I'm drinking it because I want the stimulant. So I don't know. So we got a lot of things to get to the bottom of today. Is Wednesday the best day to take off? And do you drink your coffee iced? We'll get to the bottom of all that and more. I'm Greeny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer gives you multiple quote options so you can pick what's right for you. See for yourself at Progressive.com. In the meantime, we got to get back to a couple of things I want to bring up. The first of them is this. I have to ask this question. Nuno, turn a microphone on. Because I don't, I don't like to go just completely off on stuff. But did you see DeMarcus Cousins attempt to miss a free throw on purpose on Saturday night? Do you know the play I'm talking about? Uh, yes, I saw him try. Was that – were you as outraged by that as I was? That, that to me was just outrageous. This is the same DeMarcus Cousins – who had no idea what he was defending against with 0.9 seconds in Game 2, which will probably wind up costing the Clippers their season. They'll probably get eliminated tonight. And if they had won that game, if they had defended that inbounds pass that turns into a dunk um, in Game 2, at minimum, they're not getting eliminated tonight. And who knows, maybe they even win the series. Instead, he's literally guarding. They put him in the game, and he decides to guard against the one thing you're trying to force the other team to do. But whatever, people made excuses. He had just come off the bench. I don't know what they're making excuses for. Saturday night, they need to miss a free throw intentionally, and he just whips the ball off the backboard as though, not even as though, because he has no idea that the rule is you have to hit the rim or it doesn't count. Like, how is that possible, Nuno? I I can't explain it. Like, there are just some times that, Athletes will make a player do something, and you're like, what the heck are you doing? Um, and I can't explain what the Marcus Cousins is thinking. What, what level of outrage is appropriate for that? Like, I have no horse in this race. I don't care one way or the other. Um, I, I'm, I'm rooting for the Clippers just because it would be nice to see that series get extended. It would be good for us at ESPN, obviously, to get some extra games. But I'm, I'm not a fan of either team or the other, so I don't, I don't really have a rooting interest in it. 
But as I'm watching that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how do you not know that? Like, how in the world is it possible you've played as much basketball as he has played? Because when he did it, for those of you who weren't watching the game, I'll set the scene. The Clippers, excuse me, the Suns are fouling intentionally to keep the Clippers from being able to make threes. And they're going to the line purposely missing foul shots because they're down now to the end of the game where they're going to need to get the ball back. And Paul George winds up doing it and doing it exactly right. He intentionally misses a free throw by throwing it off, you know, throwing it up super high and it hits the rim and they have a chance at the rebound. That's what everyone knows you're trying to do. DeMarcus Cousins, when instructed to purposely miss a free throw, literally whips it off the backboard. And then when the, the whistle blows, he's looking around like, what just happened here? He has no idea what just happened. And I just wonder, what what is the appropriate criticism of that for someone who has made as much money playing the game of basketball as he has? What what What's the right thing for me to say here, Nuno? I mean, I th- it's tough. It's, he should know the rule. Uh, the fact that he didn't do it that way. Like, I don't know. Is that something you discuss in the huddle saying, hey, guys, like, make sure you hit the rim? Like, it's not. Is a that sh- something that has to be discussed in I, the huddle? That's what I'm asking. I don't know, because it, it reminds me of there was a play in game seven of the Nets Bucks where the Bucks had a shot clock violation off a timeout where they had like two seconds left and Brooke Lopez doesn't take a shot. Like that to me is a more egregious than DeMarcus Cousins whipping the ball off the uh, backboard and not realizing that he needs to hit the rim. I don't know. It's that's two games in this series. They've lost three games in this series and that's two of the three where at the end of the game, his lack of just knowledge of, of relatively basic basketball stuff you know, and I'm not trying to compare my knowledge. He, that guy obviously knows a thousand times more basketball than I ever will. But I knew both things that he seems not to have. And if I did, I have to believe everyone else does. So that that really bothered me the other night. And then the other one is this Trey Young thing is just a, a it's just devastating. I am devastated by it. A, another one where I have no horse in the race, except I've really enjoyed watching him play. And to have this young superstar um, emerge and give us all something to be excited about in a postseason where the, the stars of the sport have fallen just like, like flies left and right um, through, and, and all the concerns about whether this was because of the schedule and all the rest of that and are, are there more injuries than usual. This obviously is just a total fluke. I'm watching the game my whole life. You correct me if I'm wrong. Have we ever seen a situation where one of the best players in the sport and the most important player in the series – is out because he steps on the foot of the ref and twists his ankle? I mean, he just wasn't. Trey Young was not the same guy when he came back in, and he will not be the same guy tomorrow night after that. And they're dead. They're just dead. So that series, that player, that everything are just decided on that. He steps on the foot of a ref. I've never seen that in my life. So that just made me feel terrible. So those were just two things from the weekend that kind of stood out for me. We'll get more into that as we continue. Uh, there's some other stuff I want you I want you to hear what Trevor Bauer had to say on Sunday Night Baseball last night. We'll get to that, and we'll continue getting to the bottom of this day's off business here. This is Greeny, and a reminder, if you ever miss anything on the program, we have Jeff pa- uh, Pass in an hour, number one. we got Marv coming up later. We do two hours of awesome stuff here every single day. If you ever want to catch up because you miss some of it on the radio, there's two great ways to do it. One of them is ESPN+. Plus. We stream live there every single day, and then it lives for the rest of the day, so you can watch anytime you want. We also are a podcast. It's called Hashtag Greenie. Both hours of the show posted daily as a podcast available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Marv Albert on the way on ESPN Radio.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Oh, yeah, baby. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't miss Marv Albert live on the Goodyear hotline in just a few minutes here. Wrapping up one of the great broadcasting careers of all time. Someone I, I just love listening to and have all of my life, so I'm thrilled to get the chance to have him on the program here as he finishes up the Eastern Conference Finals and then calls it a career after 55 years covering the NBA. So we'll do that in just a few minutes. Meanwhile. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? All right, Trevor Bauer was mic'd up on Sunday Night Baseball last night. And um, look, he is, a lot of people don't like him and that's fair. I've never met him in my entire life. But what I will say is he is willing to tell it like it is. As Howard Cosell famously said, I tell it like it is. And this this guy does. He'll tell you what he thinks. And so he was on last night on the Sunday night broadcast, and he weighed in on all of the sticky stuff, stuff on the foreign substance rules. Here's a little bit of what he said. Um, and this is pretty direct. Everyone's so different. So you need to have some objectivity to it. And instead of the umpires checking, like let's just handle it like TSA, where you walk in the dugout, there's a third party there, they swab your hand, they swab your glove run it through a machine and if you have over a certain amount of a certain substance on your hand or on your glove you know it flags it and then you can make the decision and the discipline around that that way you're not doing it on the field and whatever the case is okay so he, he's suggesting that they should be doing the random checks a little bit differently he's saying he's not crazy about the manner in which they choose to do the checks but he's not totally against the idea he says the league wants more offense he's not saying pitchers are blameless at all this is pretty direct from trevor bauer i think you have a couple people on the competition committee at mlb that uh decided that they could get some offense back in the game if they got rid of uh some of the foreign substance usage they assumed spin rates would drop and offense would go back up um you know there's obviously the three true outcomes kind of dominating baseball right now walks home runs or uh strikeouts so i think that's kind of where they started and then Pitchers were just being like so 
blatantly obvious about it. I mean, you get guys sitting there on the mound, like, grabbing their glove and, like, looking at their fingers and stuff like that. So not really a good look. But, uh, you know, not, again, not something that I don't, I don't think it's something that should have been done, you know, midseason like it was. All right. So there, there's some pretty good directness from Trevor Bauer. What I liked most about that was his willingness to acknowledge that pitchers are the reason this is happening. So while I understand and to some degree sympathize with the plight of these guys who have been forced to make this change midseason, and I get them not liking that, and I get that they don't love the optics of being checked on the field right now. It makes everybody look guilty until proven innocent. I get all those complaints. What never stops circulating in my mind is it was the pitchers that took this thing too far. It was the pitchers, as Bauer is saying there, that were clearly violating the rules and, in many cases, the spirit of the rules. And it was having a negative impact on the sport. Those things, I think, are all inarguable. Like, that's not an opinion. That's just an obvious statement of fact. Those things happen. And so there's a part of me that just struggles with the sympathy element of it. I don't want to see anybody get hurt, obviously. And you know, it looks like that happened in at least one case with Tyler Glass now, and, and, and maybe it'll happen again, and that no one wants to see that. But I have a hard time when pitchers are saying, I was violating the rule, but you always let me before, so you can't stop me now. It is, it is a difficult one for me to generate the level of sympathy that I'm trying to figure out. In the meantime, the scoop. Very quickly, the Damian Lillard thing for the weekend is fascinating. Is all of this speculation with Chauncey Billups going in there as the new coach in Portland that this will be the moment that Damian Lillard, this at least will be the offseason where Damian Lillard departs Portland. And if anyone listens to the show, you know Nuno and the legendary Greenie Show Google Doc. No one is more obsessed with anything than Nuno is with getting Damian Lillard to the Knicks. So I want to ask you to take off your Nick fan hat for a moment and put on your basketball analyst hat, which is something you do very well, Nuno. <laughs> I believe the Knicks are a team that makes some sense for Lillard because – I don't see him being a guy who wants to go play with LeBron and Anthony Davis and form a super team. It just doesn't feel like his makeup. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I don't see it. I see him liking a team like the Knicks that has the makings of a good group. They have a bunch of good players, a coach that people generally like in Thibodeau, or at least people admire. And if he comes in and they don't have to give up everything to get him, I can see him thinking that's a spot. That works for me. So I think it's, it's, it is something of a possibility. Give me another team that feels that way. A sneaky team could actually be the Chicago Bulls. If they're willing to give up Patrick Williams, uh, I think they're a team that can get it done because then you had him to a Zach Levine and Vucevic. Uh, you know, I think the only issue with the, with the Bulls is that they've given up some of their first-round picks when they made the trade for, to Orlando for Vucevic. But I think a Patrick Williams... Uh, you know, Kobe White, uh, you know, if a, a Lori marketing sign and trade type of deal might be something that I think is a sneaky type of team that can get it done. See, so that's interesting to me because the difference between Lillard and other players, other superstars who've made big moves, of course, is that he's not a free agent. So the question is, what do you have to trade? I mean, I, I don't want to start rewriting history, not rewriting. I don't want to start reliving all this history. But the Knicks traded everything for Carmelo Anthony. So in order to get him and whatever, we, we don't need to go over again the reasons they did that. But the point is they did. And rather than just wait for him to become a free agent when he absolutely would have come, they completely gutted their roster 
to get him. And that's probably one of the reasons that it didn't work better than it did. So the question is, if you're the Bulls or the Knicks now or anybody, Nuno, to what degree do you have to gut the things that make you attractive to Lillard in the first place to get him? I think it depends on the situation. I think if you're the Bulls, the Heat, that type of team, heck, even the Pelicans, you might have to just gut your team to take that chance with him. And especially with a team like the Pelicans who have a star like Zion, you want to prove to him that, hey, we are trying to win. We're going to do anything possible. That would be fascinating. If, if, If you're them, are you trading Brandon Ingram and whatever other pieces are involved to try and put Damian Lillard with Zion? The answer is yes. Damian Lillard and Zion is, I think that is the superstar combination that could win championships. If you're Damian Lillard, you're looking to go someplace and win championships. Are you looking to win them with Zach Levine? Are you looking to win them with Zach Ran- uh, with um, with um, Julius Randle? Or are you looking to win them with Zion? If I'm him, I'm going to try and win him with Zion. Let's see what winds up happening. We'll talk that and more. The great Marv Albert joins me live next after this word from Rumble On. Do you have a motorcycle, ATV, or even a truck that's sitting in your garage you've been waiting to sell? With RumbleOn.com, you can easily turn your unused vehicle into cash in minutes. RumbleOn.com will give you a cash offer for your vehicle and pick it up for free anytime, anywhere. They can even finance your next Harley, Polaris, Can-Am, Yamaha, and even more if you're just looking to upgrade. See what Rumble On can do for you by visiting RumbleOn.com, RumbleOn.com, fast bikes, faster cash. Back with Marv on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, this is Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase, and it is my absolute delight to bring now onto the program one of the genuine legends 
in the history of American sports broadcasting. He has been doing the NBA on TNT forever. He's on the call for TNT's exclusive coverage of the Eastern Conference Finals. And following this series, he will retire after an unprecedented 55-year career. The great Marv Albert is with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Marv Albert. Good morning. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Thank you for the... The kind words. I appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure. And we, we had a chance to chat last fall on my podcast, and we just sort of sat and reminisced. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that and how much everyone else enjoyed it. And, we'll, and if, if, you will, if you will indulge me in that, we'll do a couple of minutes of it as we continue. But I, sure. I do need to ask you, like, what has the reaction been since you made this announcement that this would be your last run? What, what reaction have you heard? Well, it, it, it's been uh, incredible. And embarrassing in some ways, uh, but people have been just, you know, just unbelievable in terms of uh, reaching out or uh, various uh, shows that have been done, etc. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm humbled by it, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. It, it really has been. I, I must say that, uh, you know, I have two pugs at at home, Trixie and Madison. They are so excited <laughs> that I'll be able to spend a little more time. Uh, with them. My wife is kind of on the fence right now. So we'll, you know, <laughs> that'll, that'll be worked out, though. Well, I mean, uh, you... you, you, but you... We're, we're, we're really looking forward to it, actually. And, and it, the pandemic was kind of the rehearsal for retirement, because I love to read. I read, you know, read a lot and read a lot of... Uh, I, I probably read six newspapers a day. Uh, I became a TV binger. You know, work out and all that kind of stuff, and I really enjoyed it. You know, so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I have to hear what did Marv Albert binge? What 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 were your shows during the pandemic? There, there were so many. Uh, okay, well, uh, let's see. Better Call Saul, which I had to catch up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justified, uh, Fauda, which is an Israeli show. Mm-hmm. I started to watch. British and French shows, of course, with subtitles like The Bureau, just off the top of my head. Uh, Call My Agent, which I think you'd enjoy. Uh, (laughs) And uh, let's see, Mrs. America, One Night in Miami. Uh, The most recent one is Godfather of Harlem with Forrest Tucker. That's tremendous. And Giancarlo Esposito. So that's that's a few. I, there are so many wow. that I really enjoy. I never had Ted Lasso, another one. I, I just, you know, never had the chance to do that in the past. So that was great. And we'll do a lot of traveling too. And you know, we have a place in, in Florida, so we'll spend time there. But uh, I'm sure when the uh, NBA season rolls around again, early November, late October, you know, I'll, I'll feel something's missing because I love the preparation. Like being around everybody, love talking to the coaches, uh, you know, as we do before each game and, uh, you know, become friendly with a number of them over the years. So uh, I I will miss that and I'll be watching uh, not only the NBA, I love watching NFL and NHL, et cetera, right now, you know, so I'm I'm a typical sports fan. Well, listen, let, let, let's talk about this series that you're doing and a few other things, and, and I'll, I'll share a few thoughts on that at the end. But to hear you, I binge-watched nothing, by the way, Marv, so it should be pointed out. I literally have well, not seen any of the, the shows. I mean, same thing. Yeah, I was the same way. I, I've, I've, uh, I've but, heard of some of the shows you mentioned, but I've not seen any of them. 
So that's you know, you're not, you're, yeah, I've heard of some of the shows you mentioned, oh, but, I've never, oh, I I, but I've never well, seen busy. one. You're busy. You're up early. You know, it's, it's tough. You mm-hmm. know, you can only do so much. But uh, if you have the time, uh, it, it's really enjoyable. You even have the time to read, you know, uh, mm-hmm. books, which I uh, which was tough in recent years because you're always traveling uh, and uh, always preparing. So it gives me an opportunity to do all that too. I love it. And when but you say, re- yeah, 55 years of NBA broadcasting, I felt was enough. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, when, when you say it's been tough for recent years, you mean 55 years. I mean, <laughs> going back, yeah, going back to the sixties, exactly. you've been yeah. a little busy. Okay. Let, let's talk about this, which will prove to be your last series and, and Trey young. And, and I, I, I said that on the show earlier here today, Marv, I really hope he's okay. Like, it would be such a terrible, in a postseason that has been defined as much for the superstars that haven't been able to play, like the Kyrie Irving thing and the James Harden thing and Anthony Davis, you know, for a fluke, freaky thing like that to wind up going a long way towards deciding this, I would hate to see that happen. Yeah, I think uh, most people, except for the Milwaukee Bucks, Mm. would feel uh, the same way, although I'm sure the Bucks. Uh, you know, deep down would like to, uh, if they do win the series, it would be with Trey. They, they prefer having played the best of the Atlanta Hawks. But Trey uh, has been spectacular. I mean, uh, it, it just from the series in New York where he took that bow mm-hmm. and was, you know, really hearing from the Garden crowd and uh, right on, you know, through what he's done uh, in the Atlanta series, did not have a good game two, but was spectacular with the 48 points in game one. And last night looked looked terrific. Uh, the Hawks have really been uh, the Cinderella story of the season. They are, uh, I mean, they have so many uh, outstanding players and a John Collins, guys we, know, we really didn't pay that much attention to in the mm-hmm. past. Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich. Uh, Gallinari's having a, a terrific uh, playoff. Uh, they're going to be a good team in the future. I, I think they can keep most of this team together also. Yeah, they have surprised a lot of people, myself 100% included, but it feels really feels like he is the engine that makes all of it go. And I just wonder, you've seen so many great players, and to see a, a, a superstar like this emerging right before our eyes, what, what's been your perspective on Trey Young? And, and as you look at some of the young, great players in the NBA, he really fits nicely into that group of players who are emerging. It, it feels like a sort of a, a time of transition with a bunch of young, great stars. Yeah, he and, and he ha- seems. I, I don't know him, but I, I understand he's a really nice kid. He handles himself very well uh, in interviews. He's very mature for a 22 year old. I know he's listed at six six one. I, he's probably closer to six foot, but uh, or maybe even five eleven. But uh, the antics too are, uh, are are mild and kind of likable. I'm sure you know opposing teams may not like the shimmy. Uh, I'm working with Reggie Miller who, of course, loves everything that Trey does, mm-hmm. just loves it, mm-hmm. you know, because Reggie liked being the villain. And Trey, in some cities, is going to be the villain with some of the uh, moves that he makes. But I, I find him so colorful, and uh, he, he's able to find space. It's, it's amazing uh, how you'll see him, uh, you know, accelerate and have a free lane as you know, they're moving the ball around and somehow find space, be it on a step back three or on the drive. Uh, he's a very creative player. And, and yeah, he, he's one of the more exciting young players right now 
in the NBA. I hundred percent. Yeah. Not take anything from the Bucks no. away from the Bucks because what we saw last night. First of all, Giannis has been playing terrific. I mean, he's certainly been hearing it uh, from uh, visiting crowds regarding the ten second count on the free throws. But uh, he's he's been sensational. And uh, Chris Middleton, too, has been, you know, with the breakout game last night because uh, his shooting was a little off. But he's a terrific player, too. And Brooke Lopez has come on very, very big in this uh, playoff series at both ends of the court. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so it's been fun to watch. And, look, we, we are all – I'm watching it with one ear. I'm listening to the game and the other. I'm, I'm trying to listen to your calls for, you know, hopefully not the absolute final time, but we'll wind up seeing it and we'll see where it goes again. Uh, Marv and Reggie and the crew have uh, the, the final games here of Milwaukee and Atlanta in the Eastern Conference. While I just have you for a minute, because I have to do it and the audience is going to want to hear it. There are so many memories that we have of you that I wanted to ask yours for the audience. So you and I talked on my podcast about your appearances on David Letterman, which were many and varied. Do you have one moment uh, that stands out for you among them that stands out the most? Like if, if I said, what's your favorite memory of being on the David Letterman show, which you have to have been on a hundred times, what would it be? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I would say uh, it, it, we did so many bits uh, on, on the show, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say my favorite moment was when we went uh, to City Field for a Met game, uh, and there was a writer strike going on, and Dave wasn't doing anything at the time. So I said, "You're doing nothing these days. How about doing the interview on?" I was doing the baseball pregame show for NBC at the time. We'll pick a, a, a player out, and you can do an interview. So he selected pitcher David Cohn who's a, you know, has a great sense of humor. And it was like the dopiest interview I've ever heard in sports, but was sensational because it was hysterical and Cohn went along with it. And, uh, I, I'm sure that people were very surprised when they see Letterman doing a baseball interview, uh, on a pregame show that, that really, uh, was something that, uh, stands out to me. There were so many, you know, wacky, uh, moments, uh, with Chris Elliott, you know, doing impersonations and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I that, was, that that was a fun time. You know, David uh, was doing his show in a studio right across from uh, us at uh, Channel Four in New York, and we were doing a six and eleven. So uh, it, it was great just seeing all the uh, you know people around the show. We were kind of sharing the makeup room and. Uh, it was, you know, Cher would be there, Madonna would be there, you know, it's crazy. And we're getting makeup for the six o'clock sports. So, uh, <laughs> I would, I'd give anything, it was a great time. I'd give anything yeah, to have been time. able to see Marv Albert and Madonna in the makeup room at the same time, getting ready uh, to go we on. Were so close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next one. Um, you know, I grew up with you as the voice of the Knicks, of course. And, and I just wonder, you did their games for so long through through their most legendary teams in the 70s and others. Do you have one memory? If I asked you your one greatest memory of broadcasting in Madison Square Garden, could you pick one? Sure. Well, this would, this would go back to uh, older generation. It would be the 1970 championship Knicks, uh, a terrific team with Bradley and DeBusher and Reed and Clyde Frazier and Dick Barnett and Red Holzman was a coach. When uh, it came to game seven against the Lakers in the uh, finals of 1970, and Willis Reed was hurt in game five, did not play in game six, 
in L.A. The thought was he would not play in Game 7. He had an injured uh, calf. And uh, I can recall doing the pregame interview. I was doing radio at the time. And uh, he said, I saw saw him get a shot. And he said, I'm going to play. And usually when an athlete says that, you know, you figure he's not going to play because you don't want to give anything away to the visiting team. But uh, the Lakers were on the court warming up. The Knicks were on the court warming up. There's no Willis. And people thought, no chance that he's going to play. And then all of a sudden, from right under our broadcast booth, uh, they're basically finishing up the warm-ups. Willis Reed walks out toward the court. The crowd, that was the loudest crowd I ever heard at Madison Square Garden. The decibel level was sky high. And he kind of limps out to the court. The Lakers, I remember Will Chamberlain, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor was with them at the time. They just stopped and their mouths were wide open because they did not think Willis was going to play and uh, took a couple of warm-up shots. The crowd is roaring as, as he hits them. And then the game starts. He hits a, a jumper from about 15 feet out, a side jump, then hits another one. Did not score at all the rest of the way, but his inspiration to the other guys was at such a level that they went on and just handily uh, beat the Lakers for the Knicks, you know, first championship, 70. So that, that to me, uh, I mean, there have been so many other highlights of the Garden, usually revolving around Michael Jordan mm-hmm. or, or, or LeBron or Kobe. But still, uh, 1970, was that was the big one for me. And you saying the words, here comes Willis, is um, still on like every highlight reel of, of, of old NBA memories that we get. Look, I could do this forever. I'm going to run out of time. I, I just want to say personally um, that I really, 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 really hope this week is not the last time that I hear you on the air, and I hope that we're able to continue this conversation. And I just want to thank you as one who grew up with you that, that for the rest of my life, basketball will sound like your voice and that was very important to me and to our family so thank you for everything mike that's so nice i really extremely kind i i I appreciate that and uh, anytime give a call no problem i'll try not to interrupt your binge watching (laughs) 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 i could give you some more advice of things that you won't watch (laughs) (laughs) we'll be in touch marv thanks a million enjoy the rest of the series Thank you very much. All right, take care. That's the great Marv Albert, again, doing the games on TNT. On the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead, Goodyear more driven. Um, it's kind of, And as he was telling that story, I will admit that I kind of got goosebumps hearing him tell it because that's such a part of my life. Like that team, those Knicks, like my, my father to his last day, my father lived and died with the Jets. He lived and died with the the Yankees as a child. Um and the Knicks, but if you if you were, there's no question in my mind that that is his was his number one memory. Well, maybe Super Bowl three, but one or the other. And and like just as much as I know that those teams are just slightly ahead of my time, but that's like one of the last connections to that that we'll ever have is that Marv is still doing games, and he's the one who said, "Here comes Willis," and at the end of this series, whenever it is, whether it's five games or six or seven. You know, the idea that we won't hear him doing games anymore. And then, then of course, he did it all through the Jordan era. That's the thing. He, those of us in New York, we grew up with Marv. I mean, Marv has been doing games for 50 years. 
But then in the 90s when NBC got the NBA, they put Marv on the national games. And that was right at the exact time that Michael Jordan came along and became what Michael Jordan became. And I, so I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has listened to Marv Albert do a trillion games. But I've said before, announcers, you can have a relationship with them that is well beyond any actual relationship you have. I, I barely know Marv. I've met him a time or two. I know his son, Kenny, a little bit. But for as long as I live, like baseball will sound to me like Phil Rizzuto's voice. That's what I grew up with. That's just what you say. What does baseball sound like? It sounds like Phil Rizzuto's voice. And basketball, for as long as I live, I don't care. I hope I'm around another 50 years watching games. Basketball will always sound like Marv Albert's voice. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did, uh, and hopefully he did. And again, you can watch his continued coverage of the Eastern Conference Finals on TNT. So that was a delight. I can't think of a better way to finish up a Monday or any day. So thank you very much for hanging out today. Uh, We've got the game tonight, game five. Clippers try and keep it alive against the Suns. That'll be on ESPN. We'll come back tomorrow and talk about that and a whole lot more. We'll see you then. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.